Hey everyone, Chris here from Indiana Beach Pass and Present. It's Wednesday, March 21st, second day of spring. Hope you guys are enjoying your wonderful day here. This podcast is just kind of going over the history and uh, present and kind of my overall review tour slash of Indiana Beach, uh, talking about um, other vlogsters on YouTube and what they have to say about Indiana Beach and uh, just kind of going over everything. This is going to be a really long podcast, so it's going to be kind of broken up into... um, different segments maybe um i haven't decided yet but uh for now we're gonna go ahead and start off with the history of indiana beach um and then i'll go over everything else later in the podcast so the history of indiana beach um and i hope you're enjoying this podcast but uh so starting off in the 1920s uh um earl spackman which is uh tom spackman senior's father they're kind of both you know indiana beach has been in the family for a long long time um but uh he decided uh that that since they were building this dam over um in the monticello area uh, they were flooding the area that he was going to build a cottage so he built this cottage um over in monticello next to lake schaefer lake schaefer was flooded in the area and he noticed that there was a bunch of sharp points but no actual place where you could actually just walk into the actual water uh for lake schaefer so he came up with this wild idea, um, and uh, it came a couple of years later after um, the Twin Lakes area decided that they were going to build a second lake called Lake Freeman, and in order to do that, they had to drain um, some of the water out of Lake Schaefer in order to do so. So when they drained out the water out of uh, Lake Schaefer to create Lake Freeman, he decided to pour in some uh, sand and things of that nature and create kind of like a walk-in spot, because he, he used to have a bunch of people ask if they could swim in the area, but... He noticed there was a bunch of sharp points because obviously the area was flooded to make way for the lake. Kind of what they do for everything when they do a dam and they do a man-made lake. Um, uh, so he created this spot and eventually, in order to expand it, he asked for um, help from his boss, Ideal Furnace Company. Um, and they sponsored it. And in order to, you know, continue, you know, say thank you for giving him kind of, you know, a loan and everything. What, they, what he did is he called it Ideal Beach. An ideal beach was a great spot. You had a bunch of things. You had um, a good area. And uh, guess who ran the refreshment stand at an early age? It was Tom Spackman Sr., about 11 or 12 years old, just running the refreshment stand with his father. And he kind of sat back and he just, you know, kind of looked at what his father was doing and went, you know, I like what my father's doing. And But he just kind of sat back because he knew one day he was going to be running the park or the beach and turning into what he wanted to turn it into. Um, eventually, um, to expand it, they added, you know, a toboggan slide and some other things to go into, um, the water, um, a miniature golf course, um, some, uh, place to eat, a bathhouse. And eventually, um, they would decide to add in, um, the ballroom and, uh, the Indiana beach ballroom or ideal, ballroom um the original one actually burnt down um uh, one night and uh when they decided to rebuild it because back then they didn't have any insurance so when they decided to rebuild it um earl spackman decided that he wanted it built differently so that he wouldn't have the problem of it being burnt down to the ground again so this new company um decided to build it in a different way where it was mainly concrete and brick it wasn't made of a lot of um wood so if anything was to happen where it would catch fire it wouldn't burn all the way down that's why the bottom portion of the um, ballroom is still all concrete because that's the way it was originally designed 
And many bands would play in there over the years to include the Beach Boys, Sonny and Cher, REO Speedwagon, Chicago, and many, many more. Um, but in the late 20s to early 30s, something major happened. And uh, this is the interesting part about the history of the park. Um, Indiana Beach, or at the time Ideal Beach, they needed to expand. They needed to figure out a way to get through the Great Recession. And uh, they decided to slash prices. Um, but in order to invite more people in the area for them to stay and for them to continue to make money, he asked for a large loan from the company up in Michigan called Ideal um, Furnace Company. And uh, they actually bought the park and the rights and gave the loan to um, um, Earl Spackman. And uh, he was able to purchase a bunch of property and sell it out in lots and then build cottages and things of that nature to keep people in the area, add a Ferris wheel and a bunch of other things. Well, Ideal Beach, eventually when Earl Spackman died, um, Tom Spackman Sr. took it over and raised his family in the same environment that his father had raised him in. And uh, he decided to change it over to what it is now, which is Indiana Beach. He decided he needed to keep the people there for longer than just a day. He wanted to keep the people there for like a week long to, you know, stay at his cottages but also enjoy the actual park. And he created, you know, different things and amenities. And Indiana Beach um, was created, and it started off with just rides and small rides and miniature golf and things of that nature, and then it, a bunch of other things were added. The rooftop bar was added, um, it, and um, upgrades to the actual ballroom at Indiana Beach were done. And then um, when the lake was drained over the years, what Tom Smackman Sr. did is uh, he had them fill in different areas to expand out the footprint of Indiana Beach because many of you know it's landlocked. In the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, so the late 80s and the 90s and early 2000s, Tom Smackman Sr. put a lot of more money into Indiana Beach. Um, added in the uh, actual water park we see today in the late 80s to early 90s. In 1994, he decided to add a, the first wooden roller coaster in 50 years to the state of Indiana, the Hoosier Hurricane, at a whopping $4.5 million, um, which today's standards, I think, would be equivalent. Um, I have not done the inflation rate on it, but it's obviously going to be a lot more than $4.5 million. So that was a huge investment. Um, it was a first of its kind um, over and back coaster over actual water. And uh, many of you guys want to know um, how it was done. Uh, when the Hoosier Hurricane was built, uh, they had a rough winter. So a lot of the uh, supports that were driven were actually having to be driven into the ice and into the water at the current time. Um, and it opened late due to a really cold winter. Um, but when it finally did open, oh man, did it attract a lot more people into the park. And uh, over... In, into the 90s, a lot of different things would happen. Um, Mystery Mansion, which many of you guys remember, would turn into Den of the Lost Thieves, uh, which would be built by Sally Rides. Um, you would have the addition of the big flush uh, double shot because after he filled in the northern portion, which where double shot sits at right now, uh, they added big flush and double shot over there. And uh, they also decided to expand out the water park more into there with the splash area and things of that nature uh added chaos which is no longer there um 
And um, also, he decided um, in 2001 that he was going to add um, Cornball Express, which the Cornball Express opened that year um, to very large crowds. And it was the first, I believe, of its kind to be a coaster inside of another coaster using the supports of the other coaster. I think other coasters went through other coasters, but they did not use the same support system. So it's kind of unique when you look at it because the Cornball Express and the Hoosier Hurricane kind of use the same support system at almost the same time, which shows you how strong the Hoosier Hurricane supports are. Custom Coasters International built and designed that one, which was another idea of Tom Spackman Sr. Um, and then you also had uh, the Lost Coaster of Superstition Mountain, which was another one of his wild ideas that happened to work out as well, which had the first elevator lift roller coaster in the country. And uh, there was many other things that would be added um, in the 2000s. Um, and then you also had in the Frankenstein's Castle when, when it was redone. It was redone to Tom Spackman Sr.'s um, taking. That is not the original Frankenstein's Castle. That is a redone version that Tom Spackman did years ago. And uh, so 2002, you had the addition of that, which was the Lost Coaster of Superstition Mountain. And then other things were added, uh, mainly additions and upgrades to the campground in the um, uh, cottages, and then in 2008 they added another roller coaster, which would be the fifth roller coaster, which would be the Steel Hog. And the Steel Hog um, is an amazing roller coaster. So at that current time, you had the Galaxy, which was one, Tiger two, Cornball Express three, Hoosier Hurricane four, Lost Coaster of Superstition Mountain five. And I apologize, but the sixth roller coaster would be the Steel Hog. And at the time when the Steel Hog was built, which you know it's built in a small footprint, when it was originally designed, it was supposed to be a, long, a bigger roller coaster. They ended up having to downsize it. I believe it was due to cost, but I'm not 100% certain. But it was actually supposed to be go. It was actually supposed to be a little bit larger than the current model. And the drop was actually supposed to be steeper. But they designed it where the for the steepest drop of its kind. And uh, it's called an El Loco roller coaster. And uh, uh, that would be the last ride that um, Tom Spackman Sr. would add before selling the park in 2008, at the end of the 2008 season, um, to a group known as Morgan RV Resorts. And it's set in the Monticello area that um, the family, the Tom, the Spackman family just didn't want to um, own the park anymore. But they thought that Morgan was really going to maintain and keep good care of the Indiana Beach uh, Park Amusement Resort. So uh, what they did is they ended up selling the park over. Um, and Morgan really, a rumor is Morgan never wanted the amusement park. They only wanted the campground portion, but they sold it in a package. Morgan didn't know anything about running amusement parks, so they brought in their own supposed experts, and the park kind of turned into shambles over the years after mismanagement and many things changing. Um, when it was handed over to Apex in 2014, uh, to the sorry, it was the 2000 and yeah, the end of the 2014 season into the 2015 season. Um, Apex thought they were being given a park that you know just needed a little bit of work, but they didn't realize how bad it was. Um, Apex had to turn in and invest a lot of money over the last four seasons 
And uh, unfortunately, um, that's what their main focus has had to be besides, you know, but everything is running, you know, better than ever since Apex has owned it. And the rumor is it that um, 2020 is going to be a big year. Um, but the Hoosier Hurricane has been retracted. The Cornball Express has been retracted. The Lost Coaster Superstition Mountain has been retracted. The Ferris Wheel has been redone. The Musical Express is being redone. The Kitty Land area is being redone. So everything's being worked on. So Apex turned out to be the great owner for Indiana Beach. Obviously, besides the whole fact that Taco Shop is has already left but they are opening up an establishment across from the courthouse so you'll be able to get those tacos again and i wish that the south island would be used again like it used to be with the miniature golf course and then um to add to it um this is what i've um been told so dragon wagon was removed to fantasy island uh, Rock and Toy was put in place, and they are um, currently looking for a new Kittyland roller coaster, but it's unknown um, when they'll actually be able to get that. Um, if it's going to be a Crazy Mouse roller coaster, some of that nature, or they might not even add one for a little bit. Um, but that concludes the history of Indiana Beach. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and then uh, I just want to talk to you about a good tour and what I love and dislike about the park. Mainly love because there's very few dislikes I like about it. Um, but there was three vlogs that came out that I saw online at Indiana Beach um, on YouTube. And uh, one of them was done by Coaster Studios. And uh, he kind of had a harsh review, but he loved the park overall. He just didn't understand the concept of it. And he didn't, I guess he doesn't understand the concept that not all parks have to be theme parks. Sometimes you could just throw rides um, together and create an amusement park. I'm not sure why he thought there had to be themed areas. That's why there's a difference between a theme park and an amusement park. Um, and then you have two of my favorite vloggers, which is Carpet um, Bagger and uh, the other one is Adam the Woo. And they visit, all three of these guys visited the park in the 2019, the 20, sorry, 2018 season. And they have reviews online, and um, they love the dark rides and the walkthrough attractions such as I do. And uh, this is kind of what I'm going to go through in my review, um, kind of what I start off in. Um, I used to start off in the south portion of the park, um, but now that I have a season pass, I start off in the north portion. So I'm going to go ahead and um, go over kind of what I do in a day and kind of give you tips and tricks on how to be able to ride what you want to ride. Um, there are certain parts of the park you have to start off in first, and then you move your way into other portions of the park. Um, so uh, usually what I uh, do is I park in the preferred parking. Uh, many of you that don't have season passes, you wouldn't park in the preferred parking. Um, so what you would do is you would park um, in the free parking lots, either in the south lot or the other lot. So if you start off in the south lot, what I recommend is going across the suspension bridge and hopping right away onto the sky ride. The sky ride will take you over to the north part of the park where I always start my trip. And where I start off first at is I start off in the very north portion of the park at the double shot. And the double shot, if many of you guys do not know, is an SNS double shot. And it's the only one I've ridden of its kind that has the type of force that the Indiana Beach does. And I've been to amusement parks to the west coast, to the east coast, to the north coast, and the south coast. And all I can tell you is that I've ridden many power uh, launch type of rides like this. And Indiana Beach has the most airtime force out of any other of them in g-force that's why i love it 
Um, and then um, I haven't been on Big Flush in a while, but sometimes I'll go on Big Flush if it's a hot day outside. Sometimes when I visit, it's not as hot, so I don't really hit up the, a lot of the water attractions. Um, but after I get off of that ride, what I'll do is I'll make my way back into the kind of where I went in at. Or if you're starting off at the south portion, obviously you're not losing any ground on that as well uh, at all. Um, so what I'll do is I'll go over, um, walk past the arcade area and over to... Um, the area where, and I'll ride the Steel Hog early in the day. So when the park first opens, the Steel Hog usually does not have a long uh, line. Um, and I usually ride the Steel Hog at the beginning. And the thing I love about the Steel Hog is that it takes you up a drop, but the feeling of a small car and the feeling of there's no rails while you're going up the lift or there's no rails while you're taking the descent to the first um, drop uh, makes it such a great ride and it only lasts 45 seconds but for some reason i think the ride's one of the best in the parks park and i ride it um when the park first opens and i ride it towards the end of the night just so i could get that you know a sunset view at the end of the night or the view of the park at the end of the night and then what i like to do is uh from there i like to uh go right over to the falling star and i ride the falling star usually when i first get into the park and i ride it at uh, night um at night it's awesome because you get a great view when it's uh, the falling star stops at the top point and that's one of the fastest falling star rides i've ever been on uh, it stops at a top portion and it just kind of sits there and then it'll drop and go around and it gives you the most airtime force I've ever had on a ride, a falling star ride of its kind. And then I'll head over to the um, Musical Express. And the Musical Express is the fastest Musical Express I've been on. I think the other version of it's called the Himalayan or, or the Himalayan or something like that. And But this one is the fastest one I've been on. And I've been on a lot of these. And let me tell you, the one at Indiana Beach is the best of its kind. And then what I do is I usually... Um, We'll head over after riding that. Um, I usually continue over. And I'll go over to the log flume ride. And um, over on the log flume ride, um, what I'll do is... I usually ride it a couple times because usually the ride uh, time's pretty short depending on what time of day you go. I usually go at the beginning and I'll go at the end when I'm there. Um, and I love just relaxing and uh, going through the tunnels and... Um, I uh, hope she doesn't kill me for this, but uh, Bonnie uh, mentioned it um, on one of the group pages that she loves the gum in the tunnels. So if you ever get a chance to look at the gum tunnels, they are still there. They have not been cleaned off. I believe they have not been cleaned off. And then you descend off of just a classic log flume type uh, ride. And uh, the log flume ride is just amazing to me because, I don't know, I just like historical log flume rides better than the new ones. And you go down the drop, it's a simple drop and splash down and that's it. And then I usually exit off of that and make my way onto the Hoosier Hurricane. And I love the Hoosier Hurricane because it has two of the best drops in the park. Uh, the first drop I don't love as much as the drop that goes underneath um, the suspension bridge. The suspension bridge drop, the suspension bridge drop into the 180 degree turn is the best one I've been on. Um, and, and now that this season that they refurbished um, and. Uh, retract the coaster it'll be smooth again like it used to be and the uh cars will feel better than ever and uh i like the um airtime that you get at the end of the ride and then everybody remembers the brake stop oh everybody knows the brake stop you know when to expect it
And then I get off of that ride and I'll usually take a small break by going over to the Prano Pup and getting myself a foot-long uh, corn dog with some uh, cheese fries to the side and a drink. After I finish that off, I'll go over and get some ice cream. Um, I usually don't grab an elephant ear until the end of the night. Um, the reason for that, I don't know, I just... Um, going to the elephant ear stand towards the, in the evening time is better. And I usually grab a large, I used to grab a large Coke. I'll grab a large Pepsi or now, you know, I'll be buying the refillable one. Um, but I don't think that stand actually refills it. So you just buy their drink, which is fine with me. Cause it's a, um, just like the Prano pup. It's one of the originals in the park from the small stands. And then I'll, um, usually down that later in the evening. Um, but after I eat the ice cream, usually what I'll do is I'll make my way back over into the portion where the Hoosier Hurricane's at, and I'll ride the Cornball Express. And let me tell you, the airtime on the Cornball Express is one of the best I've ever been on. And I've been on a lot of roller coasters across the country, and I could definitely tell you the Cornball Express is utterly amazing. And then I will go over to the historical, because it's the last of its kind roller coaster, I will go and ride, I will ride the Tiger Roller Coaster. And after the Tiger roller coaster, I like to go on the Air Crow. After the Air Crow, I hop on because I usually have kids with me. I hop on the Kitty Land uh, train, and I just love the ride on that because it's um, just relaxing. And I hope this upcoming season, with the revamp of the Kitty Land area, that it makes it better than ever for the kids. And I hope that the track and the train, and I hope they theme it to a way that makes the uh, train ride even more fun. Um, kind of that kind of going along the same theme as other parks have done and kind of make it like a ride along theme thing once i get off the train i like to make my way over to another great portion of the park so i make my way back over first i'll ride uh the swinging ship and then i'll mark and then i'll work my way back north and i will hit um the uh Tilt-A-Whirl, I believe it's called. Yeah, the Tilt-A-Whirl. And I will ride that a few times. And I then I will head over to Den of the Lost Thieves, which is one of my favorite dark rides in the country. The reason for that is because many of you guys that are younger wouldn't know. But when I was a kid, I rode Mystery Mansion. And Mystery Mansion was a really scary dark ride. Because I remember at the end of it, I believe a train like came out and acted like it was going to hit you or a semi made a sound and acted like it was going to hit you, but I was always terrified of that ride because it was so dark. Well, now, I mean, it's a it's a ride-through shooting ride, and I think Sally Rides needs to come in there and revamp it um, so that it works correctly because I know some of the guns on there um, don't always um, fire correctly and hit the targets, so I think it's time for a refurbishment of that ride as well. But I usually ride that ride a couple times, and then what I'll do is head over to the paratroopers, and then this... The Scrambler, I'll usually ride a few times. And I know last season, the Scrambler had a little bit of issue with... Um, for some reason, the Scrambler had an issue where... Um, I think one of the arms wasn't turning all the way. So the other two arms were turning really fast. But the arm that I happened to be on one time wasn't. So I didn't get as good of an experience as I used to in the past. Um, and it seemed like it was more of a controlled... Um, speed last year and i'm not certain why so hopefully they get it back up to the speed that it used to be at but anyways after i ride that what i'll do is i'll head up back over to the swinging ship again get off of that and i will take kind of a break from rides for a few minutes and how i do that is uh, what i'll do is i will 
uh, walk through the Frankenstein Castle attraction. And when I walk through the Frankenstein Castle attraction, I love it because I know that's Tom Spackman Sr. designed it. And even though it costs money, I know it's always worth spending the you know few dollars on. And my favorite portion of the ride, and I actually loved how they used it during Halloween Horror, um, where they had the different doors you had to figure out how to get out of there and get into the actual Frankenstein's castle again. Um, but I love the spot where you're, you actually look like you're going to like um, walk on a, uh, to a ledge and it actually seeps in. Obviously, it's controlled, and you have the singing band and everything like that. And then I also like um, getting off of there, and when Gallery of the Ghouls is working correctly, I like going on that. And uh, once I get off of that, I tend to go over um, over to Den of the, sorry, not Den of the Lost Thieves. I kind of go over Lost Coaster, Superstition Mountain. Um, usually by the time I get off of those, usually Lost Coaster, usually people, it's like the line has kind of went down where it's only like a 20 to 30 minute wait. Unfortunately, last season they were running only one car, which I actually have a criticism on that because they need to get faster load times and away times but um where you have a car loaded and when the other one gets to a certain point you send the other one up so you're not having a delay like you do where people get out and then you have to load the other people on um but that's only my criticism of that and then um once i get off of that i tend to go over and uh what i'll do is i'll ride the uh swings a couple times and the water swings scare the crap out of me sometimes because i know if i have stuff in my pockets and things of that nature i feel like they're always going to fall out so make sure you secure your belongings when you go on the water swings and um hopefully they redo the uh wood um on that um so that the wood's actually um good because i know sometimes you have to go barefooted because you can't wear flip-flops on there because those flip-flops will fall off of you on that ride so when you take your flip-flops off um, a lot of times um, you have to go barefoot because a lot of people don't wear uh, socks with flip-flops. Some people do, but most people don't. Um, so I read that a couple times, and I'll go over to the Ferris wheel, and the Ferris wheel gives me the best view of the park. Um, and then uh, what I'll do is when I get off the Ferris wheel, I will take the swinging – not swinging ship. I will take the Sky Ride, and I will do a round trip on it usually, um, get off of that, and I will go over to the Schaefer Queen and take kind of like um, – uh, later in the evening cruise where it's not as hot get a lot of nice um, pictures of the park kind of relax for a little while and i think this year i'm going to do the long trip on it i'm actually going to pay money for the long trip on the uh schaefer queen just because i feel like i need to um, unfortunately galaxy pier is not being used right now so that's my only criticism and i can't really review the water park because it's just a water park but once they do revamp the water park which i think they will do in the upcoming uh, years I think they will add and uh, make it special, kind of like what they did to the other parks. And uh, that's kind of what I do on a daily trip. And then I'll usually just, you know, look at the lines and ride again. And I usually stay till closing. Probably midway through the day, I will leave the park and I will go and eat and relax somewhere in Monticello and then come back to the park. And uh, that's the great thing about Indiana Beach because... It's a smaller park, so it doesn't take a whole day to stay there and stay and, you know, not leave. And leaving the park and coming back is not a pain because you always find parking usually and come back in. Um, I definitely recommend the season passes because it allows me to buy more food and stuff when I'm at the park and I'm not, you know, 
on a stringent budget like I usually am at other parks, like, you know, Holiday World or Six Flags. I also have, you know, Season Pass over Kings Island. So, but anyways, Indiana Beach is the most value for the money. I mean, for $45 or $50, I mean, I'm getting within, you know, two times the park. I've already got my money back, and I'm not having to spend anything. And usually at the end of each season, they have a deal where you buy at the end of that season and you get the next season for free. A lot of parks are doing that. And that's the thing I like about Indiana Beach. It's not, it's not like any other uh, small park in the country. Uh, there's other parks similar to it, but it's not a large park where you're sitting in line for two hours. You're having to pay for a speedy pass or a fast pass or a quick lane pass or something like that. I love you know Walt Disney World. I love the Cedar Fair parks and I like Universal Studios and Dollywood and places like that, but I do not really care much for six flags parks because i feel like everything's overly priced thirty dollars to park thirty dollars per person to eat food stuff like that and everything becomes too overpriced indiana beach is still to me is an affordable park locals don't think that for some reason but if you're going to an amusement park and i'm spending you know not that bad of a price to get a foot long you know corn dog that's really good and ice cream and an elephant ear and i'm not spending an arm and a leg out of all that i think that's a really good day and I've been across the country to different amusement parks, but um, Indiana Beach was one of the first parks that my mom ever took me to when I was growing up, and that's what makes it so memorable. The only other park, I, two parks I could think of that are memorable to me that are both shut down, but I think one reopened was Kittyland up in Chicago, Illinois, and there was another one called Santa's Village. Santa's Village is now in amusement zoo resort or something like that, but it's not the same as when I went there as a kid. I think eventually it'll be there, but Indiana Beach is still the same. And it's getting to be where it's going to be the same again, and it's going to improve again. And we have to give Apex a chance on that because I feel like Apex is doing a great job. The only thing I need thinks needs to be redone, and it's been criticized in reviews, is the water uh, at the drinking fountains. I think they need to replace those with filter stations um, that allow you to fill up water bottles as well. So you're not having people constantly bothering for you know water at the different stations throughout the park. And I think they also need to offer um, each day that you go there, if you pay X amount of dollars, if you're not a season pass holder, that you will get um, free drinks for the day. And I also think they need to do a daily dining pass and not just a yearly dining pass. I think they need to work on doing that as well. Um, and obviously, Pronto Pup and Elephant Ear do not accept those two. Taco Shop is now shut down in the park. Um but there were some criticisms from Coaster Studios, and one of them was the drinking water quality. And I don't think he ever drank well water before, but that's well water, and that's what well water tastes like. Also, the peninsula doesn't exist because Indiana Beach is not on a peninsula. Indiana Beach was built along the coast of the actual man-made lake and added on over the years. Um, but he's an outside visitor, but I like how Adam the Woo and Carpet uh, bagger enjoyed it because it was a f small fun park you could get on the rides you could enjoy yourself and not feel like you're being ripped off like at all these other major theme parks across the country the only other park i can think of um like many people you know complain about walt disney world but i don't complain about that because they have the fast pass thing that allows you to get an on on and off rides if you're smart about planning it out but you still have to plan thoroughly for that park for indiana beach if you listen to the touring plan that I have in this, I guarantee you your next visit will be awesome. Guarantee it. You could comment, tell me, and I'm going to do a vlog where I'm actually going to show you, and I'm going to time it, and I'm going to tell you how long it took me to get on all the attractions with the reviews that I did. So on the opening day, 
I'm going to go into the park and I'm going to do the exact touring plan that I just told you guys. And I'm going to tell you how long it's taken me. And I'm going to give you an update through one of my videos. Um, and I will, you know, start it. I will tell you what time I'm starting it. And I'm going to film throughout the day so it's not going to be like a long uh, film vlog. And I'm going to edit it and do it later. Those vlogs that are coming up this summer are going to be very uh, detailed and long. And I do have a contributor that I'm going to name next month that's being added to the team and he's going to add updates and pictures when he goes as well this is going to be a fun page um but the content i'm providing on youtube is going to be more and i'll be providing pictures and things of that nature on facebook but on youtube i'm adding those daily vlogs not daily vlogs i'm going to add weekly vlogs on there and i'm going to the part of the amusement park every other weekend Starting opening weekend, I'll be there every other weekend or more. And I'll be doing filming and there'll be a lot of things being done. And I'm hoping to get interviews with different people that work in the park and uh, hopefully the general manager and things of that nature. And uh, adding them onto this podcast and video um, vlog. And it's going to be fun. And the reason why I'm doing videos on YouTube now instead of on Facebook is because Facebook cuts down my quality. And I don't like the quality being cut down. And YouTube does not do that. YouTube bases on your connection quality. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm, I might add some videos on Facebook, but for the most part, a lot of that stuff's gonna be added just on YouTube only. But I hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is a fun podcast to do, and uh, look for more content later on. Um, I'll be doing updates as we get more information, and uh, we're actually gonna do a weekend stay at the campground this summer as well. And I'm going to review that as well. It's going to be just a fun and overall experience. Who's your hurricane celebrating its 25th anniversary, uh, 35th year for the tiger at the park. And everything's just awesome this season. And I'm so excited for the 25th anniversary because of what they've done with the Hoosier hurricane. They redid the cars to make it look like a hurricane theme. And I just love what they're doing this upcoming season. But thank you again for listening to my podcast. I hope you like it. Subscribe on all of our formats. Um, I especially recommend, obviously, Anchor because this is the one I record on. Um, but if not and you prefer it, use obviously use Google, Spotify, or Apple and just subscribe and you'll be alerted as soon as a new one posts. My name is Chris. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed it and thank you for listening.